This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia and welcome into episode 154 of Half Measures. In the last six weeks, we've brought you our top 10 TV shows and the final four movies of the Star Wars saga. But this week, it is time to get back to basics and talk about what have we been watching and who better to have that discussion with than the king of TV, Dan Whiting King. Kia ora, Dan. Kia ora, Paul. It's, uh, it's good to be back to our regular scheduled content. I, I don't know how our, our listeners feel about this, but it's, uh, it's good to be talking about our, what we've been watching over the week. Pardon me, it doesn't even know if I remember how to record a podcast then. Mm-hmm. It has been a while. We've both experienced some things, seen some things. Let's, let's see how this half measure goes. Before we dive in then, uh, I understand you travelled uh, over the last few days to... Am I right? Is it Batu West? Is that is that where you've been? That is that is correct. Which I, I guess it feels topical having just talked about all the Star Wars movies in timeline order, um, and it was it was kind of great actually because having just recently rewatched the the latest um, those movies in the Star Wars saga, I felt really really current with I guess that that side of Star Wars, and to you know. Part of the reason for this sort of this holiday trip was we we definitely wanted to make the most and and go and check out um, Batu West and and Disneyland and it did not disappoint Paul. So as a as a lifelong Star Wars fan walking into this world and we kind of like we got into the park and we kind of headed straight for the Star Wars area and it was kind of it was a great move because. There was no one around, and so Amazing. I got to take a picture of the Millennium Falcon with no no people around it, and we just it, it's such an immersive world. And one thing I, I think I did that kind of I I maybe did too much research into it, but I still had such a wonderful time. And I actually said to my wife, "I'm like, I'm, I think I'm going to cry. I'm going <laughs> to. I, I feel like it's going to happen. Um, it, it didn't, but I, I felt like it was going to because it was just it was so." great just you're walking around you're, you're seeing speeders there's there'll be like a probe droid like in a net hanging off the wall there'll be r2 droids around the place there's obviously um cast members like we got to see uh the mandalorian boba fett kylo ren first order stormtroopers and obviously like they're they're very careful with when these characters would appear but just kind of like you know interesting that obviously applies that you know the mandalorian din is still alive in the you know, in the in the time that we're talking about um, Ray and and Kylo and stuff, so so that was pretty cool. Um, got to have uh, an interaction with the stormtroopers. I get at one point, um, I had my my phone out and they they kind of hitting me up about what's this off world device that I'm using and getting me to move along, and it was it was great. Uh, there's amazing amazing rides. Um, I had it. One of the rides we went on called the the Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run, and you kind of it takes I think it's six people, and you kind of like have different roles. So depending on where you are, you could be like a pilot, or you could be like an engineer, or you could be like a gunner. Brilliant. And so myself and this like they basically say to six people who wants to do what, and so I'm like oh, I'm going to be a, a pilot, and then this other little girl who would have been about five was like I want to be a pilot too, and so so we got the pilot the Millennium Falcon through this kind of 
you know, amazing kind of interactive virtual world. Um, there's moments when you have to um, go into hyperspace and, you know, you pull down the lever that we've all seen, like um, Han and Chewie do a million times. And this this girl, it was so cute because she was she was too little to reach the handle. And so, so she had, like when it would say like time to pull the handle she'd be like oh help me help me and so I'd have to like you know like half pull it down for her then she'd grab it off me and pull it the rest of the way and then we'd, we'd shoot into hyperspace and just kind of these like weird and wonderful kind of like Star Wars moments there, there's a like the real core ride there um it's called the the rise of the resistance and I could seen the th- the first order stormtroopers like you just have all these um, amazing kind of like interactions and it, I just can't rave about it enough it's it's such a, a fun experience for um I think hardcore Star Wars fans and, and and new fans it's it's good it made me it made me really appreciate the the latest Star Wars movies even more I think that's great Galaxy's Edge is like number one on the the uh, the holiday list I I think for us and it sounds so immersive and so interactive and so unique each time for each person's visit. But the one thing that just you talked about that I want to focus on bizarrely is actually the handle in the Falcon because that feels like, mm. does it have, as you put it, does it have a little bit of resistance or does it pull back really easily? Look, for the sake of myself and my, my co-pilot, it's definitely a two-person job, you know? Like, it's like, you know, we, we had to help each other get the job done. That's but, great. And I think... Like obviously you don't need to, but like just like the fact that like we we did it together just felt like such a, a clutch Star Wars Correct. moment, um, and you know we we kind of high fived at the end of the experience because you kind of get a score for how how well you've done and how much cargo you've saved and and ships that you've shot down. So so that was pretty cool. And then I guess the the one other highlight is, and I this is kind of I feel like great great timing on my part, but unexpected timing on my part is getting to build a lightsaber and. They had just a few weeks before released the the new types of light, like a, a refresh of the lightsabers that you can build. Okay. So I got to build one of the, you know, one of the fresh ones. And I had spent uh, the best part of eighteen months angsting over like, what type of lightsaber am I going to build? What color is the crystal going to be? Like, am I going to buy the crystals? Like, and it's. And when you finally get to build it and then you walk around the park and it's getting dark and like other people have got their lightsabers out. A truly wonderful experience. What I'm hearing is, is you'll spend 18 months prepping for a lightsaber, but very little prep for recording in a podcast. So, uh, let's just like there was no half measures when it comes to Galaxy's Edge. That's for sure. Amazing. Well, and is it a day trip, two day trip, three day? Like, how how long does someone need to go to get the most out of a Galaxy Edge experience? So we were kind of. Um, we have been to other Disneyland, so we we weren't as worried about getting around the rest of the park. Yeah. Um, so we kind of did it all in a day, and I and it, it's a big day. Like you're kind of there from the moment the park opens until it, after the fireworks when it kind of closes. Mm. But it, it can be done in a day. I think if you really wanted to immerse yourself in it, um, go back and forth. You, you could easily make it into a two day activity, particularly if you've got kids. Like. You know, I was kind of jealous of those families when you you would hear the parents saying to them, "Should we go back to the room for a rest?" And it's like, I'd love a rest right now. You know, like <laughs> you're doing thirty thousand um, steps on that day, just you know, walking around the park. Like we we must have gone back to uh, Galaxy's Edge at least maybe four or five times, um, just because 
just being there felt so great and you just never knew what um what characters you might bump into and it's it's just so well done it's it's highly rated you're obviously an expert now and i don't know if you didn't answer to this or not but so batu west because it's the california one and then batu east is the galaxy's edge in florida are there any differences or are they identical um, I haven't been to the one in Florida, the Star Wars, but I've been to the Disney part that was still being built. I understand from my research that it might be a little bit like it might be a little bit bigger. Okay. Um, down in Florida, but I think the the rides are still, I think are still the same so, as far as I'm aware. Um, so, but I'm sure there could be a million voices right now crying out that I've got it wrong. But as, as far as I know pretty similar i'm sure some listeners in the states will be able to tell us if you're wrong dan that sounds pretty amazing and i don't pretend to be just slightly jealous so what you have done is whetted my appetite even more because this is a place i've looked at for a long time and now you've brought a human experience to it and told me that not only does it look good it feels good and it's all the things so i'm even more excited it's a it's a good time so um I hope you had just as an eventful kind of break, Paul, with a lot of uh, adventures and travel. I did. I had, I had my, my parents over here from from the UK, which is going to dictate what I've been watching as well, by the way. And so they've been here for the last five weeks. They've just gone. And so we had a big holiday down in the South Island of New Zealand. So we did the full summer experience uh, from Queenstown up the West Coast, some of the places I know you've been not so long ago, Dan, through Franz Joseph, through Haast, up to Hokitika, uh, all of that sort of side, and then taking the Transalpine train from from the West Coast all the way across to Christchurch on the East Coast. It was amazing. What I really love about that trip is it's such a different experience in the in the winter to the summer. Yes. And I, look, I feel like it's, and you're obviously just done the, the summer and it's like, you know, there's, there's places to swim, there's places to sort of be outdoors. Obviously in the winter you can still be outdoors, but it's kind of more snow and ice and there's, it's, it's a, such a, a visually different place to go to in different seasons. Yeah. Oh, it's our last six, five at least, anyway, six if you can, a weekend holidays have all been South Island and we've done three of them over winter and they're three over summer in different places and it, it, you're absolutely right it's you can go to the same place twice and have a totally different experience and it is uh, i would say alongside parts of canada probably for me i would say the most spectacular place i've ever been in my life it's just incredible my instagram feed for like a good 10 days looked like national geographic i was i've never been more impressed than myself it's I can concur. Great photos, um, and that, that transcenic train looked incredible. That was the highlight of the whole of the whole trip. If I were to say one, that transcenic train was the most. So it's a five and a half hour coast to coast trip, and I guess I'm sitting here pleasing myself because the weather was great. It could have been a different experience if it was raining and you couldn't see if it was cloudy, but. The whole way was just the most spectacular views. The train is very much different to your commuter train that I'm used to in Wellington, and it was just a real joy. It really got me thinking about Snowpiercer and like just what it would be like if that was the train that just went round the tran- Transalpine track and like yeah. how, how both great and probably fatiguing it would be, but yeah, what a different experience. It would be a very different experience indeed. But no, it's been it's been an, an incredible holiday. It's been a good 
a good recharge break for me and now I'm back and I'm I'm here for the pod then. They can do it. Jeez, should we uh should we jump into the core of what this podcast is all about? I think so, Dan. Let's ask for the first time in 2023, what have you been watching? Well, Paul, I've got a couple of things for you, and they come straight from the the Paul Kanawa peak like the the Paul Kanawa, I was going to say peak performance. Um, I don't have a peak performance yet. You, you, your top ten, t- or your top. Oh wow! We'll mention TV shows. So now the first one, I feel like we've already talked about it quite a bit. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bang on about it too much. But I, I finished Welcome to Wrexham. Um, okay. Finally. Yes. So I know that obviously you talked about it, and then I started it the week after, and I, I, I committed to finishing it. I honestly, Paul. I loved this documentary so, so much. As previously stated, I consider myself a, a Wrexham fan for life. I re- I'm i really glad I took your advice and didn't sort of Google any results to sort of watch this series because Correct. to see the outcome of some of these matches because I really felt like near the end, like, are they going to make it? I was on the edge of my seat being like, and they'd kind of cut back and forth between Rob and Ryan and different people kind of talking in the community, talking. I'm like, I just need the results. Um, but this was a, an honestly just a, a wonderful experience. And I, you know, I, without, like, I just feel like I'm just repeating myself so much. But as a, as a not, like, I'm not a big sports fan, but this just, hit me in, in all the right spots I loved how it was it's not just about football it's yep. about the journey it. It, it it taught me a lot about the community I genuinely think Rob and Ryan as the owners of, of Rexham have got their their hearts in the right place mm. they're genuinely trying to do something good and you can really see that like you know I've been on I go onto the Rexham website probably every second day Paul because I'm trying to trying to get my Wrexham um, AFC you know football shirt for the podcast sold out and they're sold out yep. they're sold out you, you, you can't get it um, they like Ryan Reynolds has opened up a whole bunch of streaming options so that you know, more of these games are going to be um, going to be shared they're going to be more available to watch it's I, I just think it's like it, it's unfortunate that it takes such kind you know kind of like A-list actors to kind of bring all this to this level of club football but at the same time, it's something truly wonderful, and I I hope we get another season. I don't know. I don't know whether we we will or not, um, but I'm 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 already kind of actively keeping an eye on on how the lads are doing, and I, I'm always sort of monitoring what, what, what's happening. Like I, I I haven't quite got to the level of getting up at four a.m. to watch a game, <laughs> but I but I am checking my phone when I wake up to see results. It's uh, it's so pleasing to hear you say so many of the things that I was saying because. When I sit here and I start talking about, oh, you know, the, it's an emotional watch. Oh, the community. It's not just about football. People, I sometimes think people must doubt me because, so hearing you say that is is so refreshing. And it is, like I've watched football for a long time and I, I, I used to watch it a lot more than I, than I do these days. Uh, but I've never heard of a club selling out of its kit before. I've, I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but... But if it does happen, you don't expect it to happen to a club that is, you know, non-league. It's it's absolutely extraordinary. And of course, they've got TikTok as their sponsor across the shirt as well, which you don't normally see such a huge sponsor in in the lower leagues. And so, yeah, it's all of those stuff 
that happens off the pitch, the the people's lives, the you know the, the you know that guy who owns the pub, the video shop guy, the groundsman, the bus driver, those people who were going through family troubles and suffering loss and divorce and all of those things. Those are not the reasons why I press play on Welcome to Wrexham to start with. I, for shame, you know, the shame of saying it, I thought this is going to be funny. Brian Reynolds. I didn't know about you know Rob at the time. I do now, and I thought it's just going to be entertaining and funny, and and it is those things. But when I look back on it now, those two things are the icing, and it's actually the rest of the cake that's the best part. Mm, mm. I I couldn't agree more. And so, like I think you might have said this next time you're in in the UK and you head to Wales <clears throat> to check out a live game. I I would easily add that to my bucket list of life activities to do. It, it just sounds like such a, an experience to have. And even just kind of like getting a, a bit of an understanding of how they manage the crowds and, and just sort of the level of tension between the different clubs, it's it's really good. I I do feel, because I, I know we've talked about the show a lot over the over several episodes, but it's if, if any of these things are ticking your boxes or you genuinely are looking for something that's, I would say, mostly feel good, this this is one to watch. You can check it out on, on Disney Plus here, but it, it really is a... A great show, and I think if I had finished it, it easily would have made it into my my top ten. So good, Dan. Can I just first of all clarify? Did I hear you say you've watched a couple of shows from my list, or just is this the one, Rexon? A couple. Of, my my next show is also from your list. <sighs> okay, and it's from my top oh. ten. I'm going to make a guess because I know you started Severance, so there's a good chance you went back to Severance, but then you said you weren't quite into it, so maybe not Severance. Is it? Am I going to? Am I gonna? Am I gonna cry on the podcast? Then is it for all mankind? It is not for all mankind. Okay, all right. Uh, Hit me. It is the Lazarus Project. Oh yes! Oh, great choice. So, um, yeah. So this and and so we've we've kind of had your your top ten list, um, and we're we're still kind of working our way through. And shows like For All Mankind are still very much very good. much on the on the radar. But yeah, this is um. Again, like you've already talked about it. I think you it was maybe your number six or seven from memory. Yeah, that sounds about um, right. Yep. And so this, to be honest with you, Paul, like Samara came to me and she's like, we're putting the Lazarus Project on our on our list. And I was like, mm, we'll see. But then I remember I'm not the boss of this household. Correct. So um, on the list it went. And watching the first episode, I was, I was already hooked straight away. Um, and I loved that it was uh, – on eight episodes, um, I love I, I love a good British TV show. As you've already said, like fantastic, fantastic cast, and I think they do something with time travel, which and, and you might have said this at the time. It feels different to other time travel shows. Yeah, so that they make time go backwards, but they don't travel back in time. They take all their current memories with them, so you know they they can't tell them. They can't travel back in time and tell themselves not to do something because they are themselves in that time period, but they know what's going to unfold. And so they can use all of that experience to try and prevent that thing, that that um, that world-ending mass extinction event not happen, right? And I, I think it's a, it's a TV show that really poses some interesting questions, right? Because there's only a very small group of people that yep. can take these memories back in the, in the reset of time. And... You know, it poses questions like if if you lost someone important to you, 
and this was your job to sort of try to try to fix time mm. would you would you divert from your course of action to to bring that person back and i i think it's a i think they do quite a good job of slowly introducing you to this concept of reverse time travel yeah and then by the end they're just like using it so crazily and so and so intently but it all makes sense but almost in a way where you know sometimes when you're watching a movie with any type of time travel there's always a moment where i i'm carefully holding all the pieces in my mind but any any sort of like questioning it would all just fall apart and i feel like the show does this perfectly we're like oh yeah i kind of see what's happening but it's like i don't i i don't understand it but i understand it um and i love that they've set it up for a second season oh yeah the way that ends, um, yeah. yeah. The way, it, like it's 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 really set up for another season. I'm I'm so intrigued by the whole concept. As I say, I love that they've done something different. Um, Papa Isidou is one of the the main characters. Phenomenal, so good, right? Yeah, I, 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 I it's a it's, it is a tough show to talk about though without getting into kind of spoiler yep. spoiler territory. Yep. And so, I think if these things tick your boxes, so good good british television um good kind of science fiction um well acted well paced it's already in paul's top 10 it probably would have been in mine i reckon check it out if you haven't and and i think this is a show that i imagine not a lot of people are aware of for some reason that's right it was really in in our sphere under marketed or just like like i i happen to find it by just going through what Neon had available to watch. And you're right, Papacito is so good. He was great in the capture as well. He's a, he's a real up-and-coming actor. And um, I think um, an analogy I just thought of, and I'm not much of a gamer, Dan, but I know you are and I know a lot of people are. So it's like if you're playing a game like Crash Bandicoot and you go from level to level to level and you start the level and you've got to get all the way to the end or to the checkpoint. And once you get to the checkpoint, that's it you're on to the next bit. And if you die, you'll go back to that checkpoint. And if you have a really good run, like you're 75% of the way through and you do some things and maybe you get some bonus points along the way that you don't always get, but then you die, you have to go back to the start and you're frustrated because that run was really good for you. And you might go through the next time and survive all the way to the end, but it may not be as good as the one where you die because along the way you had some bonuses. And that's kind of like a, does that make any sense to you? Or am I talking absolute trash? That, that does make sense. And it, it actually... I could almost expand on that a little bit by have you ever played a video game where like you've kind of like you've got to the checkpoint but you've kind of got to the checkpoint and Too like you don't like you haven't got enough health or oh, yeah. you've actually you don't have the right enough ammo or you don't have a, the right things to get That's through it. the next part of the game and so you're kind of stuck in this annoying place that also happens in this because the way the sort of like the the time reverse jumps work it's there's all this kind of complexity to it that just that keeps you on the edge of your seat really really good and it's i remember there's a bit of a feel of like groundhog day there's a bit of a feel of um tenet or something there's there's a number of things mixed Mm. in that just and it comes together really well with the cast so oh i'm absolutely stoked that you guys watch this i credit to samara for taking charge of the list and putting it on there because I, I remember at the time thinking there were several shows on my list that I would recommend to you, and that would have been one of the definite views. So that's great. It's funny her control of the list because so she's just been away for a week, 
and we both started different TV shows while we were away and we've both decided that we should be watching them together. And so there was no there was no question in the Southside Ball that it would be my show. It was just like, no, we'll be watching mine first. Correct, and so, correct. So, so what she says goes. So, you know, if you want things on the list in the future, go to just cut me out of the process. Just go straight to the, go right, straight to the her. producer. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Straight, yeah, yeah. What about you, Paul? What have you been watching? Well, Dan, I I guess one of the advantages of having family come stay with me is that for the first time in a couple of years, we've had live-in babysitters. And so, Dan, this week I'm going to talk spoiler light about Avatar, The Way of Water. I've got to go to the cinema for the third time in four years. <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, No Time to Die, and now Avatar, The Way of Water. So... Um, this is a movie that's been, you know, like 13 years in the making. And so I think it's quite fitting that the movie, uh, the in-universe story is set about a decade after the original as well as some of the returning cast sort of have a noticeably changed or aged voice. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this is a three hour, 12 minute cinema experience. Uh, so you don't want to be coming in having had too many cups of tea before you sit down. Um, Jake Sully from the first movie is with his new family on the extra solar moon of Pandora. And once again, the sky people uh, come to finish what they started and they have to protect their home up into the cinema. Even that's exciting enough for me then. And so what is the... I feel like I want to say blue milk, but that's obviously Star Wars. But what's the? Uh, uh, how do you how do you rate this movie? Was it a a good experience? Like, did you go in with high expectations? Were you just sort of going in on? I'm just so happy to be on a date with my wife. Yeah, and not, you know, like what was the what was the vibe? That was probably the primary thing. Just the ability to actually go into the cinema was was in itself. I would have gone in to watch anything at this point, but I went in with very low expectations. And I don't know if you recall, was it you? Goodness, I should remember who I've talked to. I remember watching the trailer or the teaser or something and having a real kind of, meh. That was me. It was, yeah. yeah. It was kind of, there was nothing that drew me in about the trailer at all. And so I kind of went in thinking, oh, is this going to be a bit of a, you know, a bit of a flop or is it not actually going to hit home? And um, the truth is it was a really, really good experience. It was a really good movie. Uh, I think... I mean, I would have to say, firstly, it's the most stunning visual cinema experience ever for me. It's it's just sensational to watch and and to to really take it in and become a sense a bit, you know, but go with me. You sort of become a part of this whole world and really immerse yourself in it. With a runtime of three hours, there is enough time there to really it becomes a real sort of experience and. And so for me then, it was around what's the story going to be here? And this, the story is really, really simple. The plot is um, akin to parts of the first movie, except you haven't got all of the setup around what an avatar is and how it works and why we're here on this planet. Um, I feel like my overall experience was fantastic. I will watch it again at home. Uh, probably it'll probably be less visually stunning, but probably be more comfortable 
to watch at home because three hours 12 in a cinema is a, is a long time if you don't want to miss anything um what i'm curious around is actually the movies that are coming after this because the 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 movie's great there's there's there was definitely a story there for it and i don't want to talk about that too much because i don't want to spoil anything but i'm very curious what direction a third or subsequent movie will go in because you know we've had the forest in the first movie this movie is you know as you can see from the title and poster is all about now they're in the water i mean i guess they could go underground but you know the the story needs to be a significant shift because there are a lot of similarities between these two movies the first one they are different enough but i don't think audiences would be there for a third time if they try you know how people talk about a new hope and the force awakens and sort of saying are oh, you you're doing the same thing there's that kind of vibe to it it's interesting eh? because obviously with what 13 years since the first one you're kind of probably capturing a new audience as well there's a another generation of people maybe coming into it and i think with the third movie already being greenlit obviously the the wait time is going to be far shorter so i think people will be sort of more critical of it um did you see this was it did you see it in 3d or anything or was it just straight no 2d, 2D? i've um I, I did think about it, and in the end, it was the runtime. I felt like, do I want to be wearing these glasses, the, these 3D glasses, for three hours? Will that become too much? I, I don't know. I guess I'll never know because I did it in 2D, but I was quite um, quite happy to see this sort of a movie in 2D. There's something about the visuals of this movie. This just sounds weird, but if it had been real life, humans in 3d that may have been may have made me think oh maybe i'll watch it in 3d but there's something about this in itself is satisfying enough as a visual experience in in 2d i guess i should also clarify my remark about i don't think audience would go there for a third movie because because they clearly would because the numbers for this movie are so high now it's just a few million dollars short of becoming the third highest movie ever behind avengers and then the first movie avatar i mean james cameron's now got three out of the top four movies it's insane mm. what i mean is is the audiences may not uh, react as well to a as similar story but i don't want this to come across if it is in any way as a negative review of this movie because it's not because there was enough story here to be told across this and it does work it's just i'm already thinking i know they're bringing more and because we're trapped within the sphere of this world, what's, what story will they tell? I don't know. Because for me, there's nothing else out there quite like Avatar. That's That for me is the appeal. It's so different. It's such a different world. It's such a different movie experience in terms of the way it's, the way it's uh, produced and created. It is, it is something worth watching. I think, uh, and as Sador from our, our Discord channel would say, this is a movie that you probably want to see at the theatre, right? Yeah, at least once, so that, you, so that you have that, that theatre-going experience. I think for me, um, like like you were just saying, I, I, I was kind of a bit eh about the trailer. I enjoyed Avatar when it first came out. I, I think with all the hype that's been surrounded and how well it's done, I feel like I should try and get to the box office to, to check it out. Um if I don't like, I'll, I'll definitely be watching it at some point. But I, there is something magical about a, a movie of this epicness to be seen on the big screen. But I agree with you though. Like three hours, twelve minutes. You know, I'm getting old, Paul. I need to stand up. That's right. I need to like, 
I need to flex. Correct. You know, I don't want to get this all back. <laughs> you need to you know, flex. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, I've got, I've got to be like, like you know, doing a workout. Yeah, you know? that's right. It's Yeah, oh, that's oh, it's good. It was something of a, uh, I don't know what the word is, because I think I've talked about this before with Avatar when it first came out I, I didn't get into the hype I didn't go to the cinema and then years later I discovered it on Blu-ray and I I really really got into it and I wished I'd seen it on the big screen so as I say I've only been to the cinema three times in four years um that's changing soon by the way because my son will be old enough uh, to stay at home with his with his sister in the next seven months and so I'm hoping to bring cinema experiences to the podcast way more uh, in the future but uh yeah this just quickly on this movie, because I feel like I'm talked enough about some of the things like Sam Worthington, again, really great performance. I can't believe that other than Terminator Salvation and, uh, and the Avatar movies, I really just don't see him in hardly anything. Zoe Saldana, really, really good. They've got a great chemistry together. They both fall straight back into their roles instantly. But the two, the two uh, voice talent actors, the actors and actresses I wanted to call out for me was actually a Kiwi actor. Cliff Curtis, uh, whose whose character is partner uh, with Kate Winslet's character, and those two add a really new dimension to this story. And, and Cliff Curtis, in particular, for me, lends a really gravelly, wise, uh, strong voice that his character needs. Um, we've also got Jermaine Clement, who shows up in human form in this movie, which is always a treat to see. But um, yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot going on here, and I, I think. Um, some of the characters who, like, you know, again, I'm not, I don't know how much you've heard, but that's Sigourney Weaver's character from the 2009 movie didn't survive. And yet they find a very clever and feasible way of, of getting Sigourney Weaver to still be a part of this movie. And the same with Stephen Lang, who played the, the military badass colonel. You know, they, they sort of bring ways to bring people back in. And it's, uh, it's I mean, Jim Cameron is, a genius you don't have three out of the top four grossing movies of all time without knowing what you're doing he's uh he, he brings something mm, different mm. question for you Paul. final question for me from on avatar so there was obviously the the much hyped up uh kate winslet in particular holding her breath for like seven minutes yep. uh to film a scene is there is there like I would imagine in a movie like this, is it really necessary for an actor actress to have to hold their breath underwater for seven minutes? Like, like what, Abs- what's going on in that movie? And does that play out somehow? Absolutely ridiculous. I I was kind of almost waiting for it and tried to go spotting it. And credit to the movie uh, in watching it, by the time it finished, I realised, oh, I never looked out for that scene. Because, I again, I'd immersed myself so much mm. into the movie that, but I'd gone in there with the intention specifically, I need to see when this happens because I read that too and I was like, that's unbelievable. But, um, yeah, I just, I didn't I didn't spot it. I will definitely look for it the next time I watch it at home. But, no. Okay. Okay. Well, good. Well, this is, um, look, I think maybe I could foresee this movie coming on to Neon at some point. Maybe it can be, uh, we can do a joint review of it. Um, for movie of the week at some point. I like the sound of that. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I, I feel like I know your style and taste enough to say I think you would enjoy this. Talk to my wife. Get it on the list. Very good. Um, the other thing I've got for you, Dan, uh, and this this has been a a long time coming. Um, that's been over a two year wait since I watched the last season of this show. This is season five of. 
the crane. Um, so I've been eagerly awaiting this one. And as I think I mentioned late last year, I was sort of, you know, knowing that my parents were coming and waiting, thinking this would be a perfect show to watch with them because one of them is pro royal and one of them is not. And so that makes for an entertaining argument at the end of every episode, let me tell you. Can I guess who? So, yeah, sure. Is it, is it your mum that's, is your mum pro royal? Correct. Yeah, yeah, okay. You called it. it. You called it. Um, oh, that—that's another story altogether. But yes, um, passions run high when it comes to talking about the royal family. Um, so yes, so season five. So the early seasons, you know, were King George the Sixth, and then the young Elizabeth, and coming in with Churchill, and then as you go through the the other seasons. Basically, you've got the Queen with different prime ministers, 60s, 70s, 80s, which is where we left things in season four, where you may recall I talked about Gillian Anderson as Margaret Thatcher. Mm. Superb. So this season, we're now into the 90s, uh, which, as you and I both know, is the greatest fashion decade of all time. And everyone's getting older. And so we've got our third cast change in this series. And so um, coming into the role of the of the Queen, uh, we have Imelda Staunton, uh, replacing, you know, really big shoes to replace Olivia Coleman, who I just thought was amazing. Um, also, Tobias Menzies is going out, and Helena Bodum Carter uh, are both leaving their roles of Philip of Margaret. But I have to say, the incoming cast are actually quite incredible. They give absolutely superb su- sort of performances. Imelda Staunton, for me in particular, is absolutely standout as the Queen. She's She plays a very wise... Uh, experienced monarch uh, by this point and it's sort of showing in her scenes in some really high stress moments Jonathan Price as Prince Philip just nails that look and body language and then also uh, Elizabeth Debicki very very convincing as 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 Princess Diana both in terms of you know looks voice mannerisms and I know I make a big deal of those things but I just feel like for me, at least, for someone who is so so famous, so so photographed and in the public eye, and if they cast anyone who wasn't all of those things, I don't know if I'd bought into it as much. And another massive highlight on that note, and another standout, Johnny Lee Miller, he plays Prime Minister John Major, absolutely nailed it, and I would say he should be recognised at some future award ceremony. I just think he's such a class actor. Absolutely standout cast and performances. The writing, not as strong as the previous four seasons. And so all of these brilliant performances, immaculate looks and all the things can only be as good as what's put in front of them in the script then. I would love if we had like a mic that we could just like switch over to Mrs. Kanawa, please tell us your thoughts. And then Mr. Kanawa, we could, <laughs> Trust we could me. actually have a little live recording. Trust me, we don't want that. I um, Everyone was on the same page in terms of watching it, um, in terms of enjoying all of the performances. I, I, I think if I was going to label one criticism was, and this isn't at Jonathan Price, because he, as I say, he was great, but they just wrote Prince Philip far too nice. And that's not how I recall him at all and of course i only see what the media shows me but um he did a brilliant job of what he was given but i don't believe yeah that prince philip was as anywhere near as nice as the way he was portrayed in this um the, the stories and the subject matter i guess what i'm getting at here they seem more trivial than the previous decades of what the crown shows of the royal family and that's because so much of it is around the charles diana marriage and its de- and its demise and it's not to say that that is trivial it's not but when you boil it down it is two people who should 
probably never have got married, splitting up and coming to terms with that. Whereas the stories for the previous seasons were, you know, included war and disease and tragedies mm. and global issues that had a bit more meat. And then the relationships are sprinkled in amongst all that story. Whereas here, the relationships are front and center, which is fine. But all that's behind that really is a TV interview, a book, and a lot of newspaper gossiping scandals. So the story meat is, is just too... I felt like I was watching... This is an insult to anyone who likes that sort of TV, but it was more of a reality TV mm. uh, season compared to the other drama seasons. And so remind me, Paul, is when is The Crown going up to? Like, is there... Like are they sort of is there only one more final season or are they are they sort of like continually kind of working their way through the the timeline with no kind of end in sight? My understanding is that the final season, which will retain this cast, is is season it will be season six, obviously, and that will be the right, final season. Mm-hmm. And so um yeah, retaining this cast and given where we're up to, which I think was ninety-six I would say, given the jumps we've seen in time, I would say with this cast, we may expect it to go up to early two thousands. I don't think they. I don't think that they would go beyond that. Right. That's my guess. Right. Okay. Right. So overall, you had an okay time, but not the not the best season out of all the seasons you've seen. Yeah, and it's it's still a good season. It's just I've you know other crown. Uh, have been in my top 10 TV shows you may mm-hmm. recall the previous mm-hmm. year so had I watched this last year and it would qualify for me to it wouldn't have made the list is I guess what I'm saying to you um, and you know there's so much in there that, that we're interested in I know, I know that a lot of people dislike the Royals or who are anti-monarch may not watch the show um, but the truth is you know for myself other than the Queen herself I've never really actually had too much time for the for the modern day royals or how they you know how they treat people like mm-hmm. like Diana and Meghan and and all of that which is a pandora's box I should probably stay away from but I do enjoy seeing how their role uh and their image and their influence has evolved over time and I, I think seeing a show go you know from like like I say King George the 6th go from something so distant to then cross over into my own memories of these people in real life I can't think of another show that's ever been able to do that for me I think you're right, and I think you know there's been some, and obviously they've really captured this with the with the earlier seasons, some key historical moments, mm. right? Like with, with with things like you know world wars taking place that that give you some different context and maybe highlight things that that you weren't aware of. But as you say, to then sort of flip into a a mode of you seeing those articles, seeing some of that stuff in the media, um, having your own kind of like memories and experience with it. It's um look, it's always interesting, I think, you know, obviously on a a different scale, but it's a similar concept to uh House of the Dragon, the, the Game of Thrones series where they're introducing the older versions of the characters as they go and yep. it kind of um initially is a shock and you kind of I felt myself coming in with a bad attitude, being like, Oh, I'm not gonna like these new people but when when they turn you over and um you know, show you how great they are. It really turns you around, right? And all of a sudden you find yourself loving the these new versions of the characters. One last comment I'll make, and I, this is not a view that I hold because I don't have the experience of having watched him, but Dominic West, uh, who plays mm-hmm. Prince Charles, uh, I've spoken to a number of people who, who know Dominic West from The Wire 
uh, and they cannot disassociate him from that to Charles and, and other performances. Um, I actually thought he was absolutely fine, but I think for people that have a strong relationship with that show, with that character, may may struggle. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if anyone else has experienced it. Because I've heard that from two or three, two or three people. But that aside, everything else, the production values, the locations, the costumes, the makeup, the cinematography, the editing, all of those things, everything is top notch. The, the the theme tune from Hans Zimmer, everything is all there. It's just the the writing, and I don't I don't even know if I would say is it the writing. It's the subject matter. Maybe it's the subject matter doesn't allow for true depth that I was looking for. Look, it's still very much like I'm still interested in watching it. I I know we've talked about it when you've reviewed previous seasons and you sort of said hold off till it all comes out. So mm. maybe what I'll try and do is is get myself in sync for when season six drops so that I've, I've kind of seen it all. Because I think the, there's bits of this that really fascinate me and there's bits that I, I'm maybe not so sure about, but I think there's enough in there to, to keep me interested. I think a six-season back-to-back first-time watch of The Cram would be – a genuinely rewarding experience. Oh, that would be fascinating to hear about. Mm. I'm hoping for like a, a homeland type experience where I just get like hooked in. Yep. And you just want to stay off of the FBI wanted list. Um, so that is Netflix again, the crown season five. Uh, but other than our movie of the week, Dan, that is what I've been watching at this point. Amazing. Shall we uh, jump into our movie of the week? Indeed. So, as per normal routine, Dan and I take it in turns each week, choose a movie, watch and review, and we announce what that movie will be a week in advance over in our Discord community, which you can also join by clicking the link in the show notes. And this week, we have gone with the 2022 movie, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Yeah, so this is a framed Southern detective, Benoit Blanc, travels to Greece for his latest case. So this is uh, another, so the first movie, obviously directed by Ryan Johnson, um, friend of the show and Star Wars director. <laughs> um, it's got a, a, another star-studded cast. Obviously, Daniel Craig carries over from the first movie um, as a, as a world-famous detective, a whole new sort of, Fascinating cast of you know, Edward Norton, Kate Hudson, Dave Bautista, uh, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn. Like it's this is um, a movie which has kind of been you know as soon as it dropped, I was like, oh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to watching uh, this movie and knowing that like I had a good time watching uh, Knives Out. And I know there's been a little bit of sort of media around this. Is like this. This almost could have not even had that knives out part. It could have just been called Glass Onion and had that kind of like loose connection. Um, and I know that Ryan Johnson in particular was a fan of not having the knives out uh, part in the title of this. But I had a a, a pretty good time and I, I I enjoyed the the comedic twists and turns in this and always sort of trying to try to stay one step ahead of the case, but often often being caught short. How did you find this one, Paul? Just quickly before we go there, Dan friend of the show, Ryan Johnson. Do you remember that time he replied to my tweet when I set up a Kylo Ren and uh, Ray minifigure on my kitchen table and took a photo and he replied and said, that's awesome. I mean, friend of the podcast, right? I that's right. I had a great time. I really enjoyed it. I found it really, uh, really engrossing, really clever, really funny, real, you know, just well written. It's so interesting you make the point because I was unaware about 
him not wanting to have knives out in the title because it is I love the fact it is completely standalone. Like if someone wants to watch both of these movies, you can watch them in any order. And it, it really makes no difference because with the exception of Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc, there is, unless I miss something, there is not a single reference to the first movie at all. And I think that's kind of cool. What do you, am I, is that accurate? Yeah, no, I think these are, these are independent uh, murder, mystery, crime thrillers with a dash of comedy it's like you could take for the most part you could take two or three roger moore movies as bond and watch them in any order it wouldn't make any difference but it's the same bond almost that kind of thing it's uh and i just i think that works really well because you've got a a new cast um you know when i when i watch ryan johnson movies like this and you know in the original movie i instantly can tell i can see what Lucas, you know, why Lucasfilm hired him for the Star Wars film. And that's another conversation that we just had in podcast 152. But he's so talented as a writer and a, and a director. And I love the writing of this movie so much. And the, the, the style of the direction is, is taking on for me a style that I can spot, just like you can spot a Tarantino or you can spot a Christopher Nolan or whatever it is. I really enjoy the experience um i've got a couple of little criticisms of it but overall i think great runtime great locations uh i love seeing edward norton in a prominent role for like he doesn't show up that often i really enjoyed it yeah i think the the almost the similarity between the two films for me is you've kind of got this um, group of entitled people who have all got their own quirks and and reasons for kind of being involved in a bit of a, a murder mystery and I actually think this movie takes it to a whole other level and and I, I love what you said about this is a, a series that you could kind of watch in any order and it, it just doesn't matter and I think that would be a great thing going forward like if they if they end up doing kind of a, a multi-series of this which I I presume they will just to be able to be like, look, you can watch them in any order you want. They're all, they're all great. They're all individual. There's this one connecting factor between them. Um, and I think for me, you're right. Like, so not only a, a great cast, but I kind of enjoyed with this film, it, how kind of like bright and colorful yes. and kind of extravagant it was. Like there was an element of fun, um, but there was a couple of things as well for me that I, I was unsure of. And I think, the first one is, you know, it was very kind of COVID focused at the very start of the movie, and I, for some reason, it made, I didn't enjoy it. Like I, I, I wanted to watch this movie to forget about that, yeah. but it's kind of part of part of life, and I, like, it was kind of interesting, like from a context point of view, to see how these different characters kind of kind of treated the the pandemic, but at the same time, I, I don't know if it was needed. No, and it's gonna, it's not going to age I, that well, I don't think. No, no, and I, I think it would do it would do better without it. And the second would be, is I think it's a smidge too long, and I wonder whether that smidge too long is that COVID piece. Yeah, okay, yeah, I I wouldn't argue against that, and it's the movie certainly didn't need it. So if that was cut, I would have no problem with it. You're right about the the bright colours and the, you know, when we were talking about the Last Jedi and the the red and black contrast of colours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this is a very deliberate thing um, that that he does, and I. I, and also talking about Bond, I really enjoyed Daniel Craig as Blanc in this movie, and I love how he is a million miles away from James Bond, and he you know, he plays it with an American accent and everything because 
Um, I just feel, you know, let's be honest, you know, when you look at the face, he just looks, even the hairstyle for, to the large extent is very much James Bond. And so he plays it so differently that um, within the mm. first three seconds, you sort of just like um, Logan Lucky, you know, you, you just get such a different performance from, from Daniel Craig. And um, the things that, the thing is for me, it probably isn't quite as good as the first for me. And I think when I think as to why that is, I think it's the, the, and I won't spoil them, but what the the big reveals are, or the shocks, or the they're not quite as satisfying enough. Or I feel like a few things I was actually able to predict or guess what was going to happen, or who it was, or whatever it was. And I don't actually like being right. I actually like to sit there and be shocked and sit there wide eyed, surprised when the when the killer is revealed and that kind of thing. It's so it's a minor criticism, but weighing up the two movies, I would probably edge the first one just slightly what about you i agree with you actually like on reflection because glass onion is almost a bit more of a simple murder mystery whereas i think knives out was a little bit more complex um and so yeah i think you're right and i think it didn't quite have the same same i guess yeah shock or surprise factor and i think to when you're dealing with like it's kind of a a, a a different case, right? Like you know, Edward Norton's character, rich beyond imagination, dealing with like money in a way that you just can't really comprehend. It's it's such a different concept to uh, the more kind of like well, like I think Knives Out is like a Cluedo type type movie, yeah. like brought to life. That's it. Whereas whereas this is this is that on steroids a little bit and so i think if you're if you're looking for the the more classic murder mystery knives out would be my recommendation if you're looking if you enjoyed that and looking for more then this is a this is a great follow-up um like it was was a good movie um i i definitely didn't not enjoy it um it was kind of probably like it's like it's if I was going to give it a, a Guns Akimbo score, it's probably a two and a half for me, maybe a three at a push. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with two and a half as well. I think um, mm. I I came to be entertained, and that's exactly what it did. It 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 it, it drew me in. I was never bored. I see what you're saying about the COVID bit, but the whole way through, it had my attention. Um, you need to pay attention. I love a movie when you have to pay attention if you're going to miss some of the little details. Mm. And some great support cast performances as well. Catherine Hahn in particular was hilarious. Um, I'm starting to really appreciate Dave Bautista. Um, I think with each movie I see him in, I I think he's growing. I think it was good to see him and Daniel Craig back together, like Inspector having a bit of a... 100%. That sort of thing was, yeah. a, was a nice little thing. But, you know, even things like... Ethan Hawke and Hugh Grant showing up. There's just a lot of little things. Um, like Ryan Johnson's got number three already uh, being written. And, you know, I call it number three loosely because it's simply a third Knives Out movie. And I think I would guess the only, again, the only thing that we'd have the same would be Daniel Craig in in the role of, as, as Blanc. And it's, it reminds me... Um, when I talked about the Kenneth Branagh movies, the the murder on the Orient Express, 
Um, mm. And the other one, which title escapes me right now, but that kind of thing. I'm I'm always there for that kind of Death on the Nile. Thank you. I'm always there for that experience. So um, so yeah. So this for me, I would agree with you. Two and a half on the Guns Akimbo scale, and that's also available on Netflix. And an easy watch, and it, I think this is great. There, this this quality of movie coming to Netflix. Yes. Um, because there's this. I think they've got some work to do over the coming years to maintain their, their standards. You're right. And this is a perfect movie, f- I think, for Netflix. I think you're right because, you know, talking about Avatar, where the other, this is not a movie I need to see in the cinema. I am absolutely 100% content seeing this movie at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Indeed. What is your, your pick of the week, Paul? Well, it's interesting because um, I have enjoyed all of the things I've watched, but... Overall, uh, oh, am I going to change my mind at the last minute? I think I'm going to have to go with Avatar, The Way of Water. I was tempted to change it to The Crown, but when I think about what I enjoyed about it, actually it was a family experience and it was watching the arguments happen behind the scenes and actually that whole experience. But in terms of content and the experience of the cinema, Avatar, The Way of Water was something very, very unique and uh, and it was just really... Uh, pleasing to to sit there for that long and to come away satisfied that that story needed that length of time and all of those things. So yeah, that would be my pick of the week, Dan. What about you? I think I I can't go past Welcome to Wrexham only because I think over the last I would say what probably six months I, I've really come to realise how much I actually appreciate a good sort of documentary. And I feel like this 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 sticks all the boxes. And I would have never thought of myself as a documentary person, but it's it's just a genre that's really grown on me. And I think it's why I've got such a like I watch a lot of YouTube, um, which often at the detriment to what I should be watching for half measures. <laughs> and because I like like I've I'm watching this series at the moment, um about a basically a company that sells watches and just like the whole the whole behind the scenes i like I, i'm i'm so invested paul i i can't get enough of it um so yeah welcome to Wrexham. can't rate it enough for all the reasons that we've already said we've talked about it for so many podcasts i promise not to talk about it next week um but it's it's one to watch that is something i'd love to discover from people what is this what is your sort of your, your youtube shame watch or your secret watch or what is it you yeah because i'm the same with for me at the moment with youtube i'm watching uh lots of mostly american videos of people uh reviewing lenses and telescope lenses and telescope access and all these things and i've, I've got hooked into the they, they sort of have their life story behind the scenes as well mm. i love it um i'd love to know what other people you know what other youtube channels do you get drawn into that you never thought you would other than cats <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm watching another one with a guy uh, riding the Bolivian death road on his Harley Davidson and just like, like it's just these, I don't know, I just love a good, I love it when they're kind of like done a series and it's, yeah. anyway, it's probably a whole, as you say, there's a whole podcast on YouTube um, and what that world looks like. But shall I take us over to the news desk? First of the year, Dan, let's go. All right. So a few things on the news desk. So there's an article at the moment on um, IGN that actually, this is the headline, Kevin Costner's Yellowstone future is reportedly uncertain. Matthew McConaughey in talks for spinoff. So what? 
Yeah, it's it's it's. I, I feel like it's a little bit scaremongery, but let me give let me give you some information. So, apparently, according to this article, Kevin Costner has a busy filming schedule that's conflicting with Yellowstone. So there's talk about it, like, can we carry on with Kevin? Then they're talking about a spin-off show with Matthew McConaughey and some of the other characters. And I could see Matthew McConaughey like playing a role in the Yellowstone universe. Yeah, that's right. And so who knows? I I would seriously doubt though, based on my relationship with Kevin Costner and everyone from Yellowstone, that, that that's gotta be his peak show right now. Like y- yes, he might have other movies and stuff going on, but bro. That's, Yellowstone. He's he's branded. He's to the core. It's his identity. Also, think about it from an acting perspective. Surely, filming in Montana in those locations with that vibe, what's what could be better than that from an acting? I, I'd love to know what else is because he's he's not doing it for the money, right? Nah, that's right. That's right. So, who knows? Watch the space. I I feel like headlines like this are, are purely for the clicks, mm. but um, we'll we'll see. Uh, there's been a. a you know, networks are now looking for what is their what is their Game of Thrones, what is their Yellowstone, what is their kind of spin-off. So Showtime is apparently exploring and has greenlit some spin-offs around the Dexter universe, um, as well as Billions, which will be interesting. Uh we would have had a little bit of a another go with Dexter last year, and I think that probably tested pretty well. So watch this space. Also over on Amazon Prime. Um, they've already announced another season of the terminal and they're looking to further kind of expand out that that universe so um that, that was about navy seal james reese and oh, that's, right. that's right yeah so that was a that was another good show so it, it's it's a terminal list look, it's uh, terminal list sorry yeah terminal list and so this is another like it it's good, right? Like it's it's great when these other platform providers are looking to grow a universe and, and characters. So watch the space. We'll, I'm sure more news will, will come to light over the year. If you've been watching The Last of Us, you're in for a treat this week because instead of episode five dropping on Sunday, which is Monday New Zealand time, it is going to be dropping on Friday instead. So that's Friday the 10th, which means we'll probably get it on Saturday and that's all because of the Super Bowl. So they obviously don't want to, you know, drop that drop that view account and be rest assured everyone, we will be doing a review of The Last of Us once it's all out, but we are it's definitely on our radar. Can't wait to have a deep dive conversation into that one. 100%. Uh, and what else have we got here? So um, over the break, uh, Ridley Scott's Gladiator 2 has um, has been announced, and we'll be getting that by the looks on the 22nd of November 2024. So what's that? Almost two two years away, just under. So, look, I'm, I'm intrigued, Paul. I didn't know we needed a Gladiator 2, but I'm here for it. Can you guess? Thoughts? Can you guess what annoys me about that news? Can you guess? You have to think really broadly. Um, God, I couldn't even begin to know what's going <laughs> to... A lot of things annoy me, right? What? Yep. If he's making this, he can't be making something else. And there is another movie that I'd like him to make first before he a retires or b something worse happens because he's you know he's, mm. and that's the third part of that Alien trilogy movie that he has is still sitting there and every time I hear about Ridley Scott it's something different and it's not the untitled Alien movie but okay I'll be there for Gladiator two anyway look I'm going to be there and I'm sure it's going to be great but I'm it's 
I feel unsure about whether we needed Gladiator 2 as opposed to a, another movie. I, like, I'd almost rather have just another movie set in this universe, you know, as a, but we'll see. Like, I'm sure it's going to be great. And the final couple of things for me. So if you are uh, a That 70s um, show fan, you would have seen on Netflix that they've had a That 90s show has been out there quite heavily promoting it. That has just been... Uh, confirmed for a season two so if you're a fan of that show you can expect more of that it's getting 16 more episodes and one final thing for me star wars visions which we reviewed uh last year on the pod um we are getting volume two and that is coming out on may the 4th a big day in the star wars universe so looking forward to checking that out when it arrives that will include nine new animated shorts from nine different studios that was such a treat Visions season one I'm really 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 looking forward to season two because it's so easy to jump into there's no commitment to seasons as you know one episode and you're done indeed indeed that is me Paul any news on your end uh well there's I guess the three things that really caught my eye in the last wee while firstly that they're making a third Tron movie I am absolutely love both the first two movies and I know that is not a often shared or popular view but i really enjoy them and i'm very intrigued to see how they expand the story beyond the first two so that's that's a real treat second one luther coming back absolutely love luther and this time idris elba is taking his character to the big screen so that will be very interesting to see where luther is going to go and i wonder and imagine will this be a final luther um plus it'll be another chance for me to do my now, very famous Luther impression on the podcast. And then thirdly, the fourth and final season of Snowpiercer was filmed, but then scrapped. They were like, nah, we made it, but we won't show it. We've heard this before with other things. Dan, please explain how a show like Snowpiercer, which has gone for three seasons, can film a fourth season and then scrap it. My understanding with this is it's actually been shopped around to other networks to maybe be streamed elsewhere. So I think we will oh, still see okay. it, but it's, it, yeah, it's going to appear somewhere else. All right. I, for a second, I was wondering if they were going to just change it all to the Transcenic train and completely change things around because the thought of them just binning it would just seem like an absolute waste. But there we go. Um, those were the main things that caught my eye alongside Visions. Um mailbag down we haven't had it for a while so what i'll do is i'll just go with some highlights uh just of the last uh few weeks uh firstly bridge officer and helmsman for the enterprise from strange new world uh one of our favorite characters uh lieutenant ortega's uh, actress melissa navia she retweeted our top 10 tv show post on twitter which was very kind of her and we also had three of the chefs from the bear share that top 10 post as well. Uh, Lisa Collins-Zayas, Corey Hendricks, and Richard uh, Steras. Thank you, chefs. Um, Bosch Legacy writer and creator Michael Connolly also shared our top 10 post. And the actress who plays the young Princess Leia in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, Vivian Lerabrea, who we both loved in that series, she also shared the top 10 post. And I have to say, it's very rare to ever get anyone from the Star Wars uh, universe to ever interact with the social media post. I feel like it's something they're told not to do, but maybe, yeah, she did. So that was pretty cool. And then uh, actually a personal favorite of mine on that top 10 post was 
It was also shared by Peter Adamzak, who plays Sergei Nikolov, the Russian space program director in my favorite show from last year, For All Mankind. Uh, speaking of top 10 TV shows of last year, we also had some suggestions too. Uh, Geek Girl Review from Australia went with Bad Sisters, which I have to admit is a show that keeps popping up on my suggestions. That's over on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, Shane from The Wired Upper uh, suggested Bosch Legacy, which was also uh, an honourable mention for us. And Ryan from Oakland, California went with Reacher Season 1, which was close to an honourable mention, if memory serves. Um, so last week we gave our final rankings of the, the Star Wars movies. Um, and first up to offer their rankings was our regular contributor, Mr. Chalmers of North Carolina, um, who placed Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and The Rise of Skywalker in equal last place. And then from there went Phantom Menace, Return of the Jedi, Solo, The Force Awakens, A New Hope, The Last Jedi in at number three, with the bronze medal, silver medal, Rogue One, and the gold medal was The Empire Strikes Back. So appreciate the list. Michael, always interested to hear your views on that. And finally, Dan, if you cast your mind back a few podcasts ago, our last peak performance was Aaron Eckhart. Um, We had a few suggestions come in. Ash from Palmerston North went with Battle Los Angeles. Uh, Maya from California went with The Dark Knight and also Battle Los Angeles. I have to admit, Dan, that Battle Los Angeles is not a movie I expected to see put forward twice. Maybe I didn't appreciate it the first time or I just, I, I don't know. I don't have a good memory of that movie. I I haven't seen it, but should I have seen it? Like with two recommendations? I don't know. I remember Liam Neeson was in it, but mm. that's about it. That's terrible, isn't it? Um, uh, Diana from Capity Coast also, like us, went with The Dark Knight. And then finally, Michael from North Carolina, 321 of The Core in the company of men and thank you for smoking and that is our mailbag great great to great to hear from some people make sure you you write in if you've got any thoughts feelings or observations about what we've been saying but shall we uh shall we jump into the peak performance yes indeed so just like movie of the week every week dan and i take it in turns to choose someone from the movie and tv world and look back at their career and try and pick out what we think is their best ever performance and this week, Dan, I've put forward to the table Mr. Tommy Lee Jones. This is a, a great shout, Paul. It's every every time we do peak performance, I'm like, we must be running out of people. And I'm I'm always surprised every week when, when another one comes out of the woodwork Correct. like uh like Tommy Lee Jones. So I've gone with I w- I'm gonna start with a classic for my honorable mention. So I'm gonna go with the nineteen ninety-three movie, The Fugitive. So Obviously, this the stars Harrison Ford, but um, I have a, I have great memories of um, Tommy Lee Jones playing Samuel Gerard, um, leading the hunt for Mr. Kimball, and just a I think Tommy Lee Jones always plays a a great straight laced, you know, kind of overly aggressive yep. uh, cop. And he just he just does it so easily. It makes me wonder what his real life personality is like. Like he seems to have that kind of like grumbly rough edge. Um, and I think these these roles feel natural for him. So honourable mention there. And then for peak performance in a almost in a not too dissimilar role is I'm going to go for No Country for Old Men. Mm. 
So this movie came out in 2007 and to be honest with you Paul, I feel long overdue on a rewatch for this movie because it keeps kind of like over the last year, keeps popping up on my radar. I'm like, I need to watch this movie again. But again, um, Tommy Lee Jones plays the character of this, you know, of kind of the, the, the cop trying to understand what's kind of been laid out in this movie and sort of realizing the enormity of the case. But again, I, I think he just, he fills a role like this so naturally that um, I, I've got to give it to him for peak performance. Uh, this is, this is a movie full of stellar scenes and uh, cast members and, and crew. And I think Tommy Lee Jones still manages to hold his own. So there you go, The Fugitive and No Country for Old Men. How about yourself? I really wanted you to go first because I really wanted that movie to be in amongst our choices because it's not one of mine uh, because I've chosen something else for my peak performance, which most people will probably think is crazy and it doesn't deserve to be there, but I'm going to stick with it now that you've mentioned that wonderful film. Mine uh, is 2000s Space Cowboys, and I know that that is not going to make many people's list but there was just too much in that movie for me having an old Tommy Lee Jones play this this uh this 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 free and easy uh old guy opposite a cranky Clint Eastwood and then both of them get sent into to space to help NASA save the day there's just there's just too much in that movie for me to to not have it that I I really enjoy it it's my I've got I've got a few movies that are kind of like my secret sort of loves uh, terrible movies. Another one is Six Days, Seven Nights, um, which is the official Han, Han Solo third movie. Um, this movie is is hilarious. Tom Lee Jones is superb alongside you know Clint and, and James Garner and Donald Sutherland. I really love this as a comedy, and it all is ridiculous. There's no way these old guys are ever getting sent up to space in real life, but they do in the movie and it's so good. So that's my honorable mention and it's in there now. So nothing can, can change that. And then my peak performances are probably a little bit more on brand. And that is as Samuel Gerard in 1993's The Fugitive. Um, and for me, like the things you said, it, it felt like a, a role of a lifetime for him. He just, he, he in many respects, he stole the limelight from Harrison Ford in a movie where, you know, Tommy Lee Jones is not the main character of it. He's funny. He's just, he's relentless in his chase. Uh, he has some great memorable lines in the, the hunt for, for Dr. Richard Kimball. Um, and what is a mystery to me, Dan, is how U S Marshals, the sequel that was created specifically for Tommy Lee Jones to play Samuel Gerard again, was not a success. I guess lightning just didn't strike twice. Mm. I, d I just don't know. It, <clears throat> I am. Um, I'm kind of having flashbacks to that movie. Um, I, I have no answers for you. Yeah. It, it's, it's just, a, it's a mystery because yeah, he, he was the lead in, in that movie. And whereas in this one, obviously he was, you know, opposite. And so mm. something wasn't quite, quite there with the second one because you know you had Robert Downey Jr. alongside him there and so the casting wise very strong but but yeah that is my big performance anyway I remember watching The Fugitive for the first time and thinking to myself if I'm ever on the run I don't want Tommy Lee Jones after me like I feel like I won't stand a chance correct so don't, don't hide in any dog houses or hen houses or anything like that because he'll mm, search them mm. all 
Indeed, indeed. Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of uh, another episode of the Half Measures Podcast. It does, indeed. As always, thank you for for listening in. And as Dan said, get in touch with us if you've got anything to to add to the discussion or any comments on anything we've talked about or reviewed or criticised. Uh, get in touch on our social media or click the link in the show notes and come and join us over on our Discord community. Also, a very special shout-out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Diana Kanawa, and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a Patreon of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.